Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Turn your Bibles this morning, if you would, to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 30. Uh, how you guys like in, just having fun in church? I like having fun in church. Having fun in church. Four of you. Okay. The rest of you, how many of you guys just, you know, hate life in church? Anybody just hate? How many of you guys like having fun in church? All right, okay. Well, we're going to have fun in church today. Uh, we started our refill series last week, and you should have a refill booklet. Uh, we've been putting out these booklets for the first time starting last week, and uh, there are six consecutive devotionals in the booklet, and uh, those devotionals fall in suit with the message that is preached uh, on that Sunday. And so we're going to continue to do this through our refill series. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, we want to hear back from you guys. If, if you guys don't find this beneficial, if it just ends up in your trash can or ends up at your bonfire to start the fire, come on now. Are you with me? We want to know because we don't want to provide that, all right? What we want to provide is we want to provide a resource for you that you can look back through during the week that, that takes you back to the message on Sunday, that takes you through the devotionals. Why? Because we believe in the power of God. And, uh, and so we want you in the Bible, we want you reading the Bible, we want you looking at the scriptures and just saying, hey, what is it saying to me? So we want this to be a resource, but we want to hear back from you guys. A great way to do that is you can shoot an email to info, uh, you can write it down on your response card, drop it off at the info stand, just give us some feedback on that booklet and that would be fantastic. But refill, why are we doing refill? Uh, we've come to this conclusion, I mean, we put gas in our cars, if not, we don't get too far. Right, so we have gas in our cars, we plug in our computers, we recharge our phones every night. Um, you know, we plug it in to make sure, because that's, that's my life right there, right? There's Jesus, then there's the iPhone. Come on, somebody. And obviously, I'm not serious. But, man, without the iPhone, I mean, there's the, I, I, I mean all, my, all my dates are in there. And, you know, you know, calendaring, things like that. That's my alarm clock. So if I don't wake up, it's because my phone died. So I have to charge it. We water our plants. We do all these things. But the question we've been asking ourselves is how do we refill? How did God design humanity to be refilled? Because there's a lot of people out there trying to find ways to refill themselves. There's a lot of people out there looking, searching, whether it's through activities, whether it's through relationships, uh, whether it's through, uh, you know, uh, collecting things, whatever it might be. They're trying to find satisfaction. Really what they're trying to do is they're trying to fill a void in their life. Man, there's nothing wrong with connections with people and relationships. There's nothing wrong with collecting things. There's nothing wrong with enjoying life. You know, God, the Bible talks about that God has given us, you know, this life, and we should enjoy it. But listen to me. If we're looking to those things to fill us, we're going to be really, really sad at the end of the day. Because God has designed us in such a way that we would be refilled, and so we began to look at that. And last, last week we talked about getting refilled by being plugged in to church. Church is not the source that fills you, but it's the resource in which God has chosen for the source to flow through to fill you. Okay, And so church is a vital part. If you missed that, you can go back, catch that message on, online. So we talked about that. Um, but we're going to do some things through this series to give you chances to refill and give you opportunities such as our community groups. And so last week we had community groups sign up. Today as you're heading out, there'll be some people with a clipboard. Now if they attack you with the clipboard, don't be scared, okay? Because I saw some aggressive people this morning with clipboards and they were mugging people at the door. Sign up for my group. My group's better than their group, okay? They were like, like full on attacking you. So I would like to apologize on behalf of our community group leaders. They are just passionate about what they do, Okay. And so if it's your first time and you got assaulted with a clipboard, uh, it's because we're passionate. And we believe that, man, something 
a vital takes place in a biblical community. And so check that out. Last week in our, in our message, uh, we talked about how oftentimes we can feel wounded. And, uh, and so we have started a healing group, a healing ministry right here at Canvas Church. And so if you are walking through some deep stuff, listen to me. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God's word. Absolutely. But sometimes you need to apply that in a deeper way. And so we have a healing ministry. And so out at the back, um, I know Kathy Maria will be back there. Johnny will be back there probably. And if you want more information about that and you want to sign up, whether it's been a relational thing, uh, whether it's been some deep-rooted stuff in your life, uh, we want to take you into the deep places of God's word and see you get released and find healing. Amen? And so check that out today as well. But today, I want to talk to you on the subject of being refilled by the word of God. Refilled by the word of God. One word from God changes everything. First Samuel 30, we're going to start in verse 1. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. I'm going to read it, we're going to pray, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. One word from God changes everything, being refilled by God's word. First Samuel 30, verse 1. Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag. What's happening here, David is actually not with Israel at this time. David is actually finding refuge with the Philistines, which is a crazy story, especially if you rewind and read the whole thing. How is it that he's finding refuge with them? But David is actually running for his life from King Saul at this point. Saul is out to get him because David has been anointed by Samuel to be the next king. So David is, is hiding, he's finding refuge, he's away, and he's actually with the Philistines at this, this point. Now the Amalekites come up against them while David and the Philistines are away at Ziklag, or uh, gone, and they make raid on Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire. And taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire. There's nothing left. It's devastated. The city's burnt to the ground. Wives, kids, family members taken away. There's nothing left. The sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. They wept until they were completely drained. The life was sucked out of them. They had no more tears to shed. Everything was depleted. Their children are gone. Their wives are gone. Their cities burnt. And now they are physically depleted. David's two wives also had been taken captive. Ahinoam of Jezreel, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed. Are you catching the picture here? Everything's gone. They're devastated. He's cried so much that he can't cry anymore. He has no more strength left in him. And now the Bible says he is greatly distressed. Why? Because now not only is everything gone, listen to this now, for the people spoke of stoning him. Because all the people were bitter in soul. So now here's David. He comes back. He is their leader. The reason he's their leader is because he's taking refuge because Saul, his king, wants to kill him because David is anointed to be the next king. And while he's taking refuge with these people, his city gets attacked, his wives are gone, his children are gone, everything he possessed is gone, and now to make a bad picture even worse, now everybody that's with him is conspiring against him to kill him. 
That's a bad day, ladies and gentlemen. The next time you have a bad day, turn to 1 Samuel 30. Are you with me? The next time you have a bad day and you're complaining, just turn to this and say, well, I'm not as bad as David. Are you with me? Now, if you're sitting out there and you're like, man, I wish my wife would get taken, we will pray for you at the end of the service and get you set free because your wife is the best thing that ever happened to you. Oh, I thought I would get more amen from the ladies on that one. Your wife is the best thing that ever happened to you. Okay, outside of Jesus, okay? David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. Because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. Some of your translations might say encouraged himself. But David, in the middle of probably the greatest devastation of his life, in the middle of, of a king trying to take him out, in the middle of the city he was living in being absolutely devastated, in the middle of his whole entire family being taken away, in the middle of those he had just gone to battle with, turning against him and saying, we're going to kill you, David. In that moment, the Bible says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Amen. Listen, this is not me preaching right now. This is me reading the Bible, and the Bible is worthy of your amen. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Amen. amen. And David said to Abith Abithar, the priest, the son of, of Himelech, bring me the ephod. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Bring me the ephod. So Abithar brought the ephod to David, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake and surely rescue. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue? And God said, go get everything back. And David inquired of the Lord, God, what should I do? Should I go over? And God said, you know what? Go for it because you're going to get your wives back. You're going to get your children back. It sounds like a country song. Come on, somebody. <laughs> do it. You're going to get it all back. And David inquired of the Lord. One word from God changes everything. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. God, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that, God, you would just speak to us personally right where we're at. God, none of us have it as bad as David. None of us can, can, can probably even say that our life is in this situation or circumstance. But yet, God, we find ourselves here this morning probably facing something, dealing with, with what seems like devastation to us, dealing with what seems like a, a difficult thing to overcome. And I pray that today that we could take hope in your word and see that if you did it for David, God, you can do it for us. And all we have to do is inquire of you. And one word from you, God, can change everything. So, Lord, no matter who we are in this place, I pray that your word today would cause us to rise up, walk out in victory, and get everything back in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. In 2007, uh, my wife and I had, had hit a, a real low in our, in our, in our, in our ministry. 
In 2007, uh, towards the end, it was actually just a, a few days before Christmas, 2007, had a meeting with my pastor, and my pastor sat me down and said, I think your time uh, here is over. Here's your options. Four days before Christmas. Merry Christmas. I remember sitting down in that meeting, and, and I had this conversation, and, 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 you know, we don't need to get into the depths of that conversation, but essentially, your time in ministry is, is ended, and we were at a, a peak in our ministry. We had the youth ministry going strong. I mean, we were seeing, you know, 250 young people coming to our youth ministry. We had started a, a university church uh, with Brandon and Melissa Miller uh, at UNLV. And, and we had that thing going. We had a great leadership team. And, man, things were happening. We were overseeing the, the school of ministry, which, which Joe, now Joe Lumen, uh, was a part of, which Aaron Howard was a part of, which Camilo Coveto was a part of. And now here they are ministering in church today. So glad for that season. We were overseeing the school of ministry. And, we had, man, we had all of this. I was traveling as much as I wanted to, speaking at, at conferences, speaking at, at youth camps, traveling all over the nation, even internationally, and, and had these opportunities. And, man, things were, to me, just like, man, this, we're, we're peaking. This is great, man. Life's great. We had a beautiful house in a gated community. I miss that house. With a pool and a hot tub. feel the anointing right now that God was just and I'm having this conversation and in the middle of this conversation I, I felt like everything was just being pulled from me you're no longer going to be over the youth ministry matter of fact we don't really even see you being over the, the college ministry anymore uh, you know what and, and, and you can you can stay if you want to be over the, uh, the, the 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 school of ministry and and things are just being ripped and literally I'm sitting there watching everything that 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 yes God had built through me but at that moment I'll just be honest with you, I was sitting there I was thinking I, I built this and yes I understand on the flip side I know God uses us and is really the one building it but come on pastors can get in their flesh too are you with me okay and I was sitting there, and I was, I was literally, I felt like my heart was being ripped out. And I remember driving home and crying on the way home, wondering, what am I going to do? And God began to remind me of a dream that we had, that we would be lead pastors one day. And that God had spoken us to plant a church in San Diego. But man, everything was just being torn from us. This is a... This is a and so confused, not knowing what we were going to do. I mean, it was Christmas, and I wanted to be happy, and I wanted to celebrate. But as soon as we got through Christmas, we had to think, what are we going to do? What, what, what's the next thing that God has for I don't know. I don't know what to do. And I went home, and I shared it with my wife. And we began to talk about, well, maybe it's time for us to start the church. And we went online and discovered some other disturbing news. And we're like, oh, my gosh. Internet's awesome, isn't it? I remember we put our kids to bed and we walked into our bedroom and we cried. We cried. I felt like David. I wept until I could not weep any longer. I cried. She cried. I called my mom and tried to get her to cry with me, but she didn't. I remember that moment just feeling, and I, I, I said, God, I don't know what to do. And so what we did is after we cried and we had nothing left, we said, well, we got nothing else to do. Let's pray. <laughs> Isn't that the way we are? I've checked with every resource. I've cried. I have nothing left. Oh, God, that's right. <laughs> and I'm a pastor. 
So we prayed. I don't even think we slept that night. The next morning, I remember I called, I texted Melissa Miller, who's ridiculously prophetic. I said, Mel, do you have a word for us? And she texted me back. She goes, that's funny you ask. I was praying for you last night and God gave me a word. I'll call you in a minute. And she called a couple minutes later. And I want to read you the word that she gave us. It's found in Isaiah. Isaiah 42. This is what she did. She said, I prayed for you and this is the word God gave me. Isaiah 42, 9. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare before you. They spring forth, I tell you of them. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare before they spring up, I tell you of them. And as she began to share those words with us, Man, the Holy Spirit began to rise up with inside of us. As she began to speak those words over the phone, literally, Canvas Church was birthed in that moment. In a moment of devastation, probably the mo lowest moment of our ministry, in the lowest moment I've ever felt in my life, literally, we got a hold of one word, and one word changed everything. One word from God literally birthed Canvas Church, and because of that word that we received on that day, in the middle of our devastation, in the middle of our pain, in the middle of confusion, in the middle of not knowing what's going on, listen to me, it wasn't just some feel-good prophetic word, it was a scripture straight out of the Bible that says the former things have come to pass, and now new things I declare to you, says the Lord. And in that moment, in that one word, God began to change everything. And because of that one word, I'm here to tell you, Canvas Church was birthed. Listen to me, the power of God's word is absolutely amazing. The listen to this, Genesis, go read it today. Genesis 1, uh, verse 1 through 9. But listen to this one. God said, let there be light. And guess what? There was light. That's powerful. The power of God's word. God spoke, and there it was. God said it, and everything came into existence. Job 23, 12. You, you know the story about Job. This is a guy that was also pretty devastated. But listen to what he says. He says, I esteem your word more than my necessary food. God, right now, more than food, I need your word. Psalm 119, verse 11. I love this one. This is that one you learn when you're in, like, you know, youth ministry, Right? Right? Every youth minister is right here. Hide it in your heart, right? Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. How powerful is God's word? God's word is so powerful that if I memorize it, I know it, I get it inside of me, man, it'll keep me from sinning. That's powerful. God's word prevails over unrighteousness. How powerful is God's word? Matthew 4, 4. Jesus said this. To the devil. You know the story of Jesus out in the wilderness 40 days? It says this, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. That's amazing. That's the word of God. That's powerful. It fills us. Man, it fills us so much that I don't need it. Here it is again. I'm not living by bread alone. What did, what did Job say? I, I need your word more than I need food. 
Because it's your word that fills me. It's your word that's in me that, that conquers unrighteousness. Man should not live by bread alone, by every word. And I love this, Matthew 8. Matthew 8, verse 8. This is the story of a guy they call a centurion. And he's on his way to find Jesus. And he finds and discovers Jesus. And he says, hey, my servant is sick at the point of death. And Jesus says, okay, hey, I'll come with you and I'll touch him. And the centurion says, no, no, no. I'm not worthy that you should come into my house. Only speak a word and my servant shall be healed. You don't even need to come to my house. Just speak it. God's word is so powerful. God's word is amazing. God's word saves souls. God's word opens up blind eyes. God's word produces miracles. God, when Jesus spoke, guess what? Blind eyes were open, lame people began to walk, the dead were raised, the sick were healed. God's word is powerful. God's word, one word from God changes everything. And listen to me, if he can do it for David, guess what? He can do it for me and you. God's word. God's word is so powerful. I, I, I love the word of God. Hmm. I love Romans 1, 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. I'm not ashamed of the Bible because it's the power of God unto salvation for all those who would believe, for the Jew first, then for the Gentile, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Amen, pastor. Good preaching. This is really good. I love God's word too. I read it every month. I read it when I come to church. God's word is powerful. Listen to me. God's word has not lost its power. God's word has never lost its power. But yet, yeah, yeah, well, I got to ask myself this question. Why is it that sometimes I look at the church and the church seems powerless? Why is it? Because I believe this. I believe that the church has become a leadership institution rather than a preaching institution. That we are more concerned with what we got. We got to do leadership. No, what we got to do is get this to the masses so that people can be saved. Why? Because, because we, don't, we don't preach the gospel anymore. What we do is we have seven points for you to be financially successful. And I'm going to pull seven verses out of here. The righteous have never been forsaken, nor the seed out of big bread. Point number one, be righteous. You won't have to beg. Okay. And we... What? And so people feel these, and they, they want these feel-good messages. Tell me how to have a really successful marriage. Okay, here are, here are 15 points, each having three sub-points on how you can have a successful marriage. If you can't even remember to take her on a date, none of my points are going to help you. Good preaching, Pastor. Tell her how it is. I'm trying to. I'm not going to give you 15 nothing. If you are not taking your wife, and I need to live by this, but if you are not taking your wife on, come on now. I just, I, I thought it was like an eternal date, Dave. I mean, like every day. I guess I was wrong. 
No, we come in and we fill chairs and we say, okay, today I'm going to give you three points on how you can have a better sex life. What? Here's a, if you're married, here's how you can have a better sex life. Have sex. Oh, you're married. Set up you're married. I mean, honestly, we go to church and it's like, preaching pastor I believe that the power of God will be evident in the church once again when we stop talking about well we got to do them we got to when we just say you know what this is what the church was designed for the church was designed for that people could come in hear the word of God get filled up and then go live it the six days of the week that, that's it that's the church come in get the word of God go live the word of God was really good right there that's it but, but I need I need a point here's the point do this live don't do this don't live really yeah do this go to heaven don't do this don't go to heaven it's really that simple really that simple but what about my marriage do this and you'll have a great marriage but what about my business do this and you'll have a great business what about my sex life do this and you'll have a great sex life what about my children do this and your children will follow Jesus. It's really good. Why it's so quiet. Listen, we need the word of God. We need more of the word of God. We need the Bible. What about, what about the song that we learned when we were little? The B-I-B-L-E. Okay, see, you learned it too. But then we get older and we forget that. And we say, Pastor, come on, give me some points. Give me some principles. Like, I just need, I talked to somebody not too long ago. I said, how are you doing? Uh, I'm, going, I'm going good. Where are you going to church? Well, I go here. How often? Well, I mean, it was like, like you know, uh, occasionally. But I love going there because, just, man, man, that guy can just say one sentence. And that one sentence just keeps me all week long. I'm like, what happens if that dude dies? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds forth out of the mouth of God. Listen to me. I don't just need one sentence. I just need one book. And that one book keeps me going all week long. Amen. 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 He can do it for David. He can do it for you. Here's what we need to understand. There's other people on the, on the other side, and they literally just want to be led by the Spirit. I love being led by the Spirit. Listen to me, it's not Jesus that lives inside of us, it's the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. It's dwelling in us. The Holy Spirit's living in you. Where's Jesus? That he's seated at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for you that you would live the Word. It's the Spirit of God living inside of us. But here's the thing, well, I want to be led by the Spirit. And then all of a sudden we end up at this place and that place and over here and doing this and that thing and over here. I learned this a long time ago from one of my great mentors in the faith. And I remember, I remember talking about it. He said, you know what? The Spirit of God is awesome. And we want to be led by the Spirit. But if all you're doing is being led by the Spirit and you have no word, because the Spirit is like a river. 
But without the riverbanks, that river runs wherever it wants. And last time I saw a river running wherever it wants, it floods things and destroys things and makes a mess of things. And so you know what you need? You need the riverbanks. What are the riverbanks? The riverbanks are the word of God. And so you can be following, oh, yeah, doing this thing all you want. But if you don't have this, you are just flooding everything in your life. Living in chaos, living in destruction. You need the riverbanks. But on the flip side of that, if all you have is some riverbanks without a river, it's dead, it's cracked, and it's dry. Here's David. 1 Samuel 30. I don't know that I need to paint the picture anymore for you. He is literally at the lowest point of his life. He's running for his life. He's devastated. Everything's gone. It's a bad situation. And now the people want to kill him. And the Bible says that David wept until he couldn't weep anymore. And then he went and strengthened himself in the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I like to kind of get behind the scenes of those moments. And yet there's not enough context for us to do that. So I let my mind maybe, maybe wonder a little bit, what was it like for David to go and strengthen himself in the Lord? What did it look like for David to encourage himself in the Lord? And so then I step back and I look at my life and I say, hey, what, what do I do to encourage myself in the Lord? And I'm pretty sure it probably wasn't that different from what David did. And when I find myself in those moments of, of pain, of hurt, of devastation, and man, I feel like things aren't going that good, Here's, here's what I do. I begin to step back. Yes, I'm human. After I've wept bitterly, cried, and, you know, snot's coming out of my nose. Come on, how many of you guys been there before? It's ugly. You don't want to see your pastor like that. When I've come to the end of myself and my self-centeredness and my self-seeking and my self-loathing and I have nothing left in of me, I realized, man, that was a waste of time. And then I begin to say, hold on a second. If my God is for me, who can be against me? And here's what I do. I begin to encourage myself in the Lord by reminding myself of all the things that God has promised me. Of all the things that God has spoken to me. Of all the things that God, uh, whether it be through his word or whether it be through people, prophetic words, I begin to remind myself of those things. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 1.18 to wage warfare with the things previously prophesied concerning you. The things that have been spoken over your life, when you're in that devastating moment, when you're in that, in that picture like David, what do you need to do? You need to step back and say, wait a second. God has promised me some things. And the Bible says, that which he spoke, he will surely do. That which he spoke over me, man, he is going to fulfill it. God is for me. Who can be against me? When the enemy comes in one way, he's got to flee before me seven different ways. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against it. The righteous have never been forsaken, nor their seed having to beg bread. And you begin to remind yourself of that, and all of a sudden you begin to feel a little encouraged. Why do you feel encouraged? Because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. 
And I begin to picture David in that moment, probably on the ground, weeping bitterly, nothing left. And he comes to the end of himself. And he probably begins to hear a raspy old voice in the back of his mind that sounds a lot like Samuel's. And he begins to hear Samuel's voice saying, David, have I not anointed you to be the next king? David, you are a man after God's own heart. David, that which was spoken over you, you will surely fulfill. David, do you not remember when you were out watching over the sheep and a lion came in and tried to take out the sheep and yet you stood up and you took out that lion? David, do you not remember when the bear came against you and those sheep and you took out the bear? And in that moment as David begins to hear that raspy old voice in the back of his mind, he begins to get strength. He begins to get encouraged. Mm. What about you? Maybe rather than crying about your circumstance and your situation, maybe rather than weeping, maybe, just maybe, you need to go encourage yourself in the Lord. And David, now listen to this. David gets filled with strength, and he turns to the priest, and he says these words. He says, bring me the ephod. Bring it to me. Now, if you don't know anything about the ephod, the ephod was this garment that the priests were to wear when they were ministering to the Lord and hearing from the Lord. It was designed only for the priests and nobody else because the priests were the one to go in and get the message from God and then deliver the message to the rest of the people. But David in this moment says to the priest, bring me the ephod because I'm going to go get a word for God for me. I'm going to go and I'm going to inquire of the Lord because I need to hear what he has to say to me in this moment, at this second, with what I'm going through and what I'm dealing with, so bring it to me. And the Bible says that he brought him the ephod and David went inquired of the Lord. No priest, David. I know there's some of you, man, you are content with Sunday morning messages because they good. But at some point in your life, you need to strengthen yourself in the Lord and say, you know what? Sunday was good. But today is Wednesday, and I don't have a Sunday on a Wednesday. And I don't have a Pastor Ben that I can just dial up, preach me a message. A podcast ain't going to cut it. A worship CD ain't going to cut it. Pastor Ben's Sunday message ain't going to cut it. The devotional they put together ain't going to cut it. I need to go inquire of the Lord for me. I need to go get a word for my circumstance. I need to go get a word for my situation. I need to go get a word for my problem. And you've got to go, and you've got to get in, and you've got to hear from God. God for yourself. So I'm just a little bit passionate this morning. See, a lot of us, we resort to inquiring of the Lord through prayer. 
listen to me, prayer is great, but there are about a thousand things that you don't need to pray about because it's right here. And if you would go right here, here's what inquiring of the Lord looks like. show you again. Here's what inquiring of the Lord looks like. Slow motion, watch. Here's what inquiring of the Lord looks like. You didn't see that when I was in fast motion, did you? Slow motion. You didn't see this one either, did you? love what God says. You can come out, Becca. Becca just hides back there. She's like a lurking shadow. This is a good message. David said, bring the ephod to me. No disrespect to you, Abathar. You're your great priest, but no disrespect. No disrespect to you, Pastor Ben. No disrespect to your blog. But you know what? I'm in the middle of a circumstance, a situation. And the message was good, but you know what? I just need, I just need to inquire of God. I need to hear, behold, the former things have come to pass and new things. I declare to you, says the Lord. I love what Melissa Miller did on that day. She didn't give me. Here's five things that I believe if you do, you will be successful in the pressures that you are facing today. Thus saith the Lord. She said, Isaiah 42, verse 9. It's what I got. It's all I got. Hope it means something to you. Behold, the former things have come to pass and new things. I declare to you, canvas. David, I know the picture doesn't look good. I know that it looks like you've lost your wives, your children, your city, and now everyone you've been fighting with wants to take you out. But I got a word for you. Pursue, for you shall surely get everything back. Because one word from God changes everything. One word for God changes everything. You might find yourself here this morning and you might say, man, my financial picture does not look good. But yet, God, your word tells me that if I'm righteous, you're going to take care of me. My health, man, I'm, I'm struggling with some health issues. But you said in your word, that you are Jehovah Rapha, my healer, my health. So I can either hold on to what I feel or what I see, or I can hold on to God's word, because one word changes everything. One word was enough for David to get up from weeping bitterly and to begin to go out. What changed? Nothing changed. The people were still gone. The city was still devastated. The people still wanted to kill him. 
What changed was David. Yeah. Yeah. But we just keep sitting back, waiting on the world to change. Reminds me of a song. But God says, all you need is one word. All you need is one word. And one word changes everything. One word. Take a valley of dry bones, turn them into a mighty army. One word will take your marriage that you are saying, God, I don't know if we're going to make it. Turn your marriage around. One word from God changes everything. What are you looking for this morning? If you're pursuing success, you will be disappointed at the end of your life. If you're pursuing popularity, you'll be disappointed at the end of your life. If you pursue God, you'll have everything you need and then some. Lord, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. The word of God is living and powerful. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.